Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. And we're in a very interesting period of the Eastern liturgical calendar in many Eastern churches, especially the Byzantine Catholic Church. We are in the midst of a fasting period leading up to and preparing for the Feast of the Dormition, known in the Western churches as the Feast of the Assumption of Mary. We call it her Dormition, the falling asleep of the Mother of God. And at the same time, we're coming out of, or sort of in the midst of the post-festive period of the Great Feast of the Transfiguration, which is very dear to our hearts as Byzantine Catholics. So we're kind of in a festive and fasting period all at the same time. It's kind of an interesting period. Very powerful, though. And although you're listening to me, as you do, many of you, and perhaps some of you are just joining me, I want to welcome you. But in giving this program and presenting this information about the Eastern Lung of the Church, I have to admit, it is a, it's a real honor for me. And I'm often very touched by certain stories, emails, letters, phone calls, responses that I hear from you. And we welcome your responses. We love to hear from you. And recently, someone gave me a call, and they were all excited. It was a young lady. She said, Father Tom, I have to tell you something. And I knew who she was, and she was referring to another young man that I knew and I hadn't seen for a few years. And she said, guess what? Her name is Chris, and his name is Greg. We're getting engaged. And we were driving down the road one day just as he asked me to marry him. And we got engaged, and we turned on the radio. And lo and behold, on the radio came Light of the East with you speaking about the Byzantine marriage ceremony. So we couldn't help but see this as providential. So we actually pulled off the road and listened and sort of basked in this providential moment that we had just gotten engaged, turned on the radio, and you just happened to come on Light of the East talking about the Byzantine ceremony of marriage. And their marriage will be in a Byzantine church. So we want to congratulate Chris and Greg, way up there in Traverse City, Michigan. And speaking of our Michigan listeners, I was also touched by a letter I got from the Essexville, Michigan chapter of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Catholics United for the Faith, and especially from Mr. Richard Harmon from Auburn, Michigan. He sent a very nice letter and a prayer card 
on behalf of our deceased Archbishop, Archbishop Basil Schott, and because this was around the time of the 40th day of his passing, and in the Byzantine Church, we always commemorate a person who was deceased, especially if it's a bishop or priest. We commemorate them 40 days after their death. So it was really a, a nice surprise and a very thoughtful gesture on your parts. Again, I want to thank our friends of the Essexville, Michigan chapter of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Catholics United for the Faith. we got Charles Cook up there, and a lot of other great people have been just so kind to us. So once again, I want to thank you. Also, I want to remind you, at this time of year, we start looking towards the Great Pilgrimage hosted by the Sisters of St. Basil the Great in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And they warmly invite all of us to the 76th Annual Pilgrimage in honor of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And the theme this year is called Mary, Icon of Compassion. And in literature, there's a beautiful icon of Mary with Christ. It's at Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. You can get information by going to sistersofstbasil.org. That's sistersofstbasil.org. Or you can call them at 724-438-8644. This pilgrimage holds a distinction of being the oldest and largest Byzantine Catholic pilgrimage in the United States. And so the sisters invite all of you to join the many who will come to honor Lady Perpetual Help at this most blessed weekend. I'll see you out there. You'll see me. I'll be working largely this year as I normally do, oftentimes, with the youth, the teenagers. We meet in the prayer garden. We have different sessions together, conferences. The teenagers go in procession together with their banners, and it's just a great, great time. It's really a marvelous place to be, a marvelous event. It's on Labor Day weekend every year, 76 straight years. So why not consider it? Once again, go to, for information, sistersofstbasil.org. And speaking of pilgrimages, of going to places that are holy and noteworthy, there was a pilgrimage of sorts to a great place, to a place dear to us as Byzantine Catholics, and that was really the birthplace of the Byzantine Church, and that was Istanbul. It was an Oriental Lumen Conference, which was held and hosted in Istanbul, Turkey, which of course originally was Constantinople, and that was before that the city of Byzantium which was changed to Constantinople when Constantine, the Roman emperor, moved his empire from Rome to this magnificent city in the Bosphorus. And the leader of that pilgrimage was one of our great friends here, Jack Figo. Welcome, Jack Figo, to Light of the East. Thank you, Father Tom. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Boy, I'm anxious to hear how this pilgrimage was. I'm calling it a pilgrimage, but it was really a conference. First of all, tell us about Istanbul. Tell us about all about the conference, who spoke and what the purpose was and what was accomplished. It was a great conference. Uh, it was the third one that we've held in the ancient city of Constantinople, Istanbul today, as you said, Orientelli Lumen Euro East III. Uh, the theme this year was the councils of the church, uh, all of which were held in the eastern Mediterranean and very close to Constantinople. In fact, three of them, three of the seven major ecumenical councils of the first millennium were held in the city itself one just across the Bosporus in what was called Chalcedon at the time, and then three others in Nicaea and Ephesus. And so we held the conference there to discuss what were the significance of each of those councils and uh, how they affect us today. We had uh, a great lineup of speakers from many different traditions and from around the world. The uh, leader, uh, or most significant, of course, was His All Holiness, Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew, the spiritual uh, leader of the entire Orthodox Church, the entire Orthodox world, as the Archbishop of Constantinople. He, he came from the Ecumenical Patriarchate headquarters to our hotel where we were having our sessions uh, and addressed us at the opening keynote for um, uh, about a half an hour talk, uh, half of which he had prepared uh, remarks, and the other half he gave as just off-the-cuff comments. And then we were quite honored that he then stayed 
uh, and uh, despite his hectic schedule and uh, the uh, pressure he's under with regard to the local authorities, as we've all been reading about in the press, uh, he stayed at the hotel, uh, posed for a group picture, and then greeted each person who was at the conference individually to get a blessing, sort of as a receiving line. So it was uh, was quite an honor to have him. So he, he gave a few remarks about the conference to start. We then had five plenary sessions by leading theologians from around the world. The speakers included uh, Metropolitan Callistos of Diocleia, known as uh, Timothy Ware, probably one of the foremost Orthodox theologians and authors in the English-speaking world today from Oxford University, uh, retired of, from Oxford. We had Archimandrite Robert Taft from the Pontifical Oriental Institute in Rome. We were also very honored to have, for the first time, the new secretary of the Congregation for the Eastern Catholic Churches at the Vatican. So he's the number two guy for all Eastern Catholic Churches worldwide, Archbishop Cyril Vassil, who is a Greek Catholic from a married uh, clergy family in Kosice, Slovakia. Uh, Father Tom, our sort of roots, if you will. Yes. Uh, he's, he's one of us, and he's probably the highest ranking official at the Vatican who's a Greek Catholic today, and he came to be a plenary speaker. Uh, we also had a, a Russian Orthodox nun from Vienna, Sister Vasa Lauren, who teaches there and is originally from the United States. And then the the, uh, the fifth speaker was uh, Professor Richard Schneider, who teaches iconology. Oh, yes. What or the I... theology and symbology of icons, not the painting of them, but their symbols and their meaning. And he gave a very interesting presentation about connecting icons with the church councils. It was quite a lineup of speakers, and we had great discussions. Bishop John Michael Botin, the Romanian Greek Catholic bishop for all of America, was the moderator. And uh, we had about 50 people, which is a really nice crowd. So you had representatives from the Eastern Catholic Churches, Eastern Orthodox Churches, and the Roman Catholic Church. That's right. That's right. We had all three of the major churches represented, and that's one of the features of what we've been organizing as Oriental Lumen Conferences from the beginning, 15 years now, is to have all three churches well represented amongst the speakers, and therefore then the participants likewise represent those three traditions. I want to back up just a little bit, Jack, because uh, you put out a lot of uh, very potent, very rich terms, such as the, the theme of this conference itself, on the councils of the church. The councils of the church are, for the Eastern churches, huge. They're, they are for the whole church, but in, in particular the Eastern church. And in fact, Jack, we just recently celebrated the first six ecumenical councils, which is probably why you had the theme there in Istanbul. Yeah, that's right. It tied in with our liturgical year that we celebrated the first councils, first six councils on the, a couple of Sundays ago. And in fact, I think that was the Sunday after the conference was, was actually held. And see, these councils were when the great theologians in the minds of the church at the time and this is starting from early on the first several centuries of the church. They came together to articulate what the church actually taught, primarily in relation to the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, the Mother of God, and the natures of Christ. And one of the reasons they did this was whenever these teachings, which were basically just accepted, they took it for granted, they taught the Christian faith, people believe, but sometimes these teachings were received in a way that became eventually understood as what we call, use the term, heretical. In other words, there was misunderstandings of what exactly we mean by a person, who can, a being who could be God and man at the same time. And so wrong teachings began to develop and, and start to bleed their way into a lot of people's minds and hearts in the church. So the church would respond by articulating what it actually taught. And it would bring these councils together. And for the Eastern churches, these councils carry a lot of weight. And we're going to talk more about the councils, more about this incredible pilgrimage, this conference to Istanbul with our good friend Jack Figo when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Do you have trouble with some of the teachings of the church? Well, I have good news for you. I am Father Thomas J. Loya with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. In a sense, the church has no teachings. It is God who has the teachings. It is God who created the divine order of things, and the church simply points to that order and says, be honest to that order and you will be happy. The why behind what the church says about any moral issue has to do with whether or not we are telling a truth or telling a lie with the language of our bodies. If we are honest with the language of our body, we'll be holy and therefore happy. Being dishonest with the language of our bodies results in hurt and therefore unhappiness. Almighty God and the church want us all to be happy. Having a problem with church teachings really means having a problem with God and of not understanding the theology of the body. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I'm inviting you to Prairie Fest. Enjoy food, live music, and dancing as you tour the award-winning water management and sustainable plan of the church grounds of Annunciation Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois, at our annual Prairie Fest. No admission charge Prairie Fest kicks off at 6, Friday evening, August 13th, with music by the Tinley Park Arts Alive Jazz Band. Then Saturday, August 14th at 2, Prairie Fest, featuring the Vasalo Salo folk dancers and the music of Harvest Moon. On Sunday, August 15th at 11.30 a.m., Polka with Eddie Blazon. Checks Versatones. Oh, how I miss you. Then the fabulous Neverly Brothers. That's why I go for that rock and roll music. $5,000 grand prize raffle, church and prairie tour, bingo, square dancing, pizza provided by Nancy Zomokina. Complete info at ByzantineCatholic.com. Prairie Fest. Friday through Sunday, August 13th through the 15th at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Welcome back to Lay the East, where we have our very esteemed guest and our good friend, I call him the tail that wags the dog, <laughs> Jack Figo. He's talking about, once again, this incredible Orientali Lumen, which means Light of the East, taken from John Paul II's apostolic letter about the Eastern churches. He does these conferences called Lay of the East, and one of the highlights is this trip to Istanbul, Turkey, the birthplace of the Byzantine Church. And we've been talking about the significance of the councils. This was the theme of this year's trip to Istanbul. But also, Jack, you mentioned His All Holiness. They call him His All Holiness, the Patriarch Bartholomew. He's basically, to be specific, the Patriarch of the Greek Orthodox Church? Well, he's referred to as the Ecumenical Patriarch, which has 
jurisdiction, if you will, over the diaspora of uh, the various churches that don't necessarily connect to another autocephalous church. So, for instance, the Greek Orthodox of America are within the Ecumenical Patriarchate, but the Greek Orthodox of Greece have their own separate church. So, yes, by tradition, he's Greek Orthodox, but he is really ecumenical in the sense that he's the leader of all the Orthodox churches worldwide. Now, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church, of course, is the Pope, who is at the Vatican in Rome. His All Holiness, the Ecumenical Patriarch, the, the Orthodox Patriarch, he lives in a what's called a, a Fanar, right, Jack? Yes, right, and, and it's interesting to note Fanar is simply the district of Istanbul in which his offices reside. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's not a formal name of, of his church or anything, or a nickname, it's just the Fanar is that district of the city, uh, that, that neighborhood uh, where uh, he happens to have his offices. And what are his offices like? I mean, we have, if anyone's been to Rome, uh, you would see an you know, incredible Vatican city. Well, it's its own city-state. It's its own nation, actually, uh, with St. Peter's Square and all the offices there. What is the Fanar like? Well, it's very curious. It's, uh, it's quite a contrast. It's about a three-square-block area in a relatively run-down neighborhood, although it's cleaned up and improved quite a bit in the last 15 years that I've been traveling there. But it's, it's almost a compound under siege. And in fact, there are regular protests by the local population outside the walls on a regular basis. Uh, there have been threats. Uh, in the 19th century, the patriarch was hung, and the door in which he was hung in effigy and, and actually killed, they've uh, locked in, in memory of him, and they go through a side door. Uh, it's essentially one large church, if you could call it large, uh, St. George's Cathedral, seats about maybe 200 people, tops. And there's, of course, a lot more room for standing, but in terms of seating capacity. And then there's an office building with some residences for the local staff. And I would say the, the local staff, including the bishops and the priests, as well as the, the hired help, if you will, doesn't number more than 100 people total. Mm, so I remember, very, very small compared to, say, the Vatican. One of the things that struck me when I was there a few years ago with you, Jack, on one of these incredible trips, was they had on the wall, like the gallery, the ray, the, you know, the, the portraits, as it were, icons of all the patriarchs that occupied that, that seat, that throne. It was thrilling for me to see that because throughout our liturgical calendar, you know, from time to time, we commemorate a lot of them because a lot of them are saints. You know, a lot of them had this great, great uh, contribution to the history of the church, especially in the East. And to see them all there was, was for me kind of a thrill, those icons to see all these are all the ones that occupied this seat here for the Eastern Church, the things I read about, the people we pray to, you know, that, that have become saints and their great stories. One that really strikes me is the story, of course, of uh, the return of the relics of St. John Chrysostom from Rome a few years ago. Yes. And his relics now uh, reside, or parts of them, reside in the the Church of St. George. But the fact that the throne from which the Patriarch presides at the divine services, both the the liturgy as well as the other services that they have in the Church, the throne that he presides from dates from the time of St. John Chrysostom. It was his throne that has been preserved over these some 17 centuries. Wow. So to, to think that you're looking at the chair from which John Chrysostom oh. preached all of his famous homilies <laughs> uh, is quite striking. Wow, that, that, that of course, how he got his name. Chrysostom means the gold of mouth, because he's right. such a great exactly. preacher. We're talking about the 4th century, and one of the great fathers of the Church, he's an Eastern father, but one of the great fathers of the Church, just was known for his writings, his homiletics, his theology, and just his leadership. Well, that, that is thrilling. You talked about this pressure and protest. Where is that coming from? Well, since the 1920s, I believe it is, a, uh, a famous Turkish hero by the name of Ataturk secularized uh, the Ottoman Empire after World War I and created the modern country of Turkey. Turkey, however, over the decades since then, has had a great deal of uh, influx of uh, Islam 
and is now a large, large majority a Muslim country. Three, four times a day you hear the imams blaring over the loudspeakers throughout the city, the call to prayer. And because of, of this and the Turkish state's uh, secularism, all the Christian institutions, both Catholic and Orthodox, as well as Armenian and some of the others uh, that are there, have been reduced to truly second- and third-class citizens. And so a lot of the institutions are not owned by the church. They're owned by a, a ministry of the government. They can't be renovated or, or uh, rebuilt, uh, so they're falling apart. Uh, there have been periods of time when the uh, Christians were summarily deported from Turkey back to, say, Greece or other lands. So the, the Christian population of the country of Turkey is less than 1%. Mm. And so to survive and to live in this environment uh, where uh, there is uh, such a large majority of, of uh, Muslims who don't want the Christians there is, is very, very difficult. But the patriarch stays uh, because he was born in Turkey, uh, an island off the coast in Imbros, and in order to maintain his leadership uh, over the Orthodox Church. The See of Constantinople is important historically, and so he weathers through these um, these problems. And and uh, uh, in fact, uh, it, it was curious to to see three years ago when the Bishop Milan Sashik of Transcarpathia from our church, Father Tom, uh, who had uh, experienced uh, and seen such persecution under communism, related to. Patriarch Bartholomew quite quite closely because today still in fact uh, Patriarch Bartholomew is persecuted to some degree. Yes, and you know he, this Patriarch he's a great man he's he's a brilliant man and he's a world class environmentalist. He leads all kinds of uh, conferences uh, from around from, you know global size you know <laughs> global dimension conferences on the environment. But also despite this tension persecution, he's also known for his compassion and trying to get along with the Muslims of his country. That's right. He 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 is a he is a Turk. Uh, in terms of nationality, but he's a Christian, uh, and he, he tries to uh, bridge the gap uh, between the Christian world and the Muslim world, and I think he does it quite effectively in being able to speak uh, uh, you know, in, in both uh, camps. Well, Jack, I understand that you documented very well the proceedings of this conference, and people can access that. Yes, that's right. We uh, take uh, video recordings of all the plenary sessions and the liturgies, and uh, also the tours that we did this year to Ephesus and the island of Patmos, I have them on video, and they'll be appearing on our uh, streaming video website, OLTV.TV. We have uh, the opening session is up and viewable today, and uh, the other sessions will be up in partial clips, and the full set of uh, the recordings will be available under uh, both CD recordings and DVDs as well from our online catalog. And what else is going to come of this? I know these things always seek to produce fruits, but there's some things coming out of this. There's two things in the horizon for the future. One, of course, is we're starting to plan our next Oriental Lumen Conference. It'll be the 15th anniversary. It's going to be held next June 20th to 23rd here in Washington. And the theme will probably be, although we don't have a 100% decision on this, Rome and the Communion of Churches. Metropolitan Callistos Diaclea has already agreed to come and, and be a speaker. Metropolitan Jonah, the primate and head of the Orthodox Church in America, and Father Robert Tapp from Rome have already indicated a a willingness to come and be speakers. So it, it promises to be a great celebration of our anniversary. But the other project is a, a little outshoot from this of trying to take our grassroots movement of Oriental Illumined Conferences into the parishes. We're working on designing a program of educational videos that we would hope to provide to parishes across the country to educate the parish priest and the person in the pew about what are the differences and the similarities between the Catholic and Orthodox churches and where do things stand with regard to the dialogue at the highest levels of the church 
with regard to full visible communion and unity amongst Catholics and Orthodox. So those are the couple of things we have coming in the in the future. Well, this is this is really fascinating and very hopeful for me. Hope, very hopeful because as an Eastern Catholic, we always look at ourselves and, and question what is our place in the big picture. And we, on the most positive, we like to see ourselves as helping to reunite the two, you know, the Orthodox churches and Roman Catholic churches, at least to be to contribute to that in our own way. And certainly it seems like your efforts are doing that, Jack. And we, we just can't thank you enough. And it, once again, where people can go to view your great work and these great talks and events. OLTV.TV And also your publications. Yes. Our publications and books are at ecpubs.com, and other conference information and the future registrations are at our website, olconference.com. Well, thanks so much, Jack, for being on our program here Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again for the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W I L L C O O K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>